Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. I'm happy to be with you live. Um, And, you know, with all that's going on, um, I find that Catholics, us people, for the most part, are preparing to protect ourselves, preparing for what's coming, what we believe is coming, what's already on us, all the evil, and not reaching out so much to the world. Um, And you know we have what the world needs. We cannot keep it to ourselves. I've repeated the comment of Father Stan Fortuna uh, with um, Friars of the Renewal, Uh, He said, if we keep the gospel to ourselves, we are thieves because we are given it to give to the world. We are the world's missionaries. We have the full truth, the full measure of uh, Christianity, of the church Christ established. We must not keep it to ourselves. And one of the reasons it is assessed that we don't evangelize is because I think we've Uh, had a lot of Protestant influence coming into our thinking, Um, kind of once saved, always saved, we can relax, which is not true. Um, But also, um, within Catholicism, uh, when the Church teaches and, and states in the current Catechism that those who through no fault of their own Uh, but who live up to the grace of God they've been given, can be saved, not will be saved, but can be saved. We've kind of relaxed and think, well, it's up to God, and and they're not that bad, and they'll be saved. But that's not the case. It's not the case. In fact, in our current newsletter, um, that for those of you who have subscribed for the hard copy, it won't be out till the end of this week, and I'm so sorry for that. The email went out before Christmas, but... Uh, for us, it's still Christmas till February 2nd, so it will be in the mail by the end of this week. Hopefully, you'll get it next week. Um, and we, we discuss that. But um, we're not so afraid of hell anymore and of damnation, even for ourselves. We, we live very lax lives. Um, and it's it's a dangerous situation, especially when we have people... Um, like Father Barron um, or Bishop Barron um, uh, taking up the philosophy that there's a reasonable hope that all will be saved. There is no such hope, and it's certainly not reasonable. Um, There's a few articles recently written about hell, and I think it might be good for us to read a couple of them because they're good and they're responsible. Um, Eric Salmon, uh, the good editor of Crisis Magazine Online, said that um, modern Catholics live under the assumption that hell is mostly empty, but doing so radically impacts our ability to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not radically empty. 
He writes the recently deceased Cardinal George Pell, a prince of the church, if there ever was one. That's my comment. The recently deceased Cardinal George Pell wrote a few years ago about his evolving views. I wish this would be the case with Bishop Barron and others who hold this view, who hold the erroneous view that there's a reasonable hope. Cardinal Pell wrote a few years ago about his evolving views on the question of how many will be saved in the 1970s. Excuse me. He subscribed to a broadly inclusivist view of salvation, as he put it. I expressed the hope, perhaps expectation, that few would be consigned to hell. He was not alone. During the time following the Second Vatican Council, although the trend began before the Council, a movement arose within the Church to downplay any talk of hell, and specifically to assume and even affirm that most people would end up in heaven. I tell you, beloved, going to church, I, I don't know when I've heard a, a sermon on hell. And specifically to a food, oh, excuse me, let me uh, continue here. Vatican II itself appears to support this movement by declaring those also can attain to salvation who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ or his church, yet sincerely seek God and moved by grace, strive by their deeds to do his will as it is known to them through the dictates of conscience. That's Lumen Gentium 16. I'm not suggesting that's wrong. Vatican II was not a pastor, was was a pastoral council, not a doctrinal one. It did not profess any new doctrine. That is a true teaching of the church. And so Eric Salmon says, while the council's language leaves open the question of who qualifies under these conditions, in other words, what exactly does it mean to sincerely seek God if one is not baptized? The assumption by the majority of theologians, pastors, and lay people was that most qualify. Thus, all the circles of hell were swept out, making the pit of eternal fire the destination of only the worst men in history. Essentially, hell was the home of Hitler, Stalin, and a few others, but definitely not your Hindu neighbor or your fallen away son-in-law. This movement to empty hell found its primary spokesman and theologian in Hans Urs Wald. Von Balthasar, who wrote um, in the infamous book, Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved, that's its title, which argued that it was within the Christian's purview to hope not only that your neighbor and son-in-law would make it to heaven, but that in fact everyone would eventually be saved, including Hitler and Stalin. While some critics wrongly accused Von Balthasar of the heresy of Apocatastatis, how's that? Apocatastatis, the belief, which which is the belief that all will definitely be saved, his belief that we can hope for this outcome surely moved the needle of the average Catholic's view of how many will be saved. After all, if we can reasonably hope that all will be saved, then worst case scenario, surely most will be saved, Right. In recent years, 
and, and uh, Eric Sammons brings Bishop Robert Barron into it. Bishop Barron popularized von Balthasar's, Balthasar's teaching, making it more accessible to the Catholic world, and Barron's own loose evangelization methods, such as saying Christ is the privileged way as opposed to the only way, and not incurring Ben Shapiro, who is Jewish, to convert when given the chance. I watched that interview, and I was shocked. There he was, sitting with an Orthodox Jew, a good man, Ben Shapiro. And Ben directly asked Bishop Barron, I haven't asked Jesus into my heart, am I doomed? And, And Bishop, I saw it. Bishop Barron said, no, 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 no. Um, it's not the only way. Jesus is the privileged way. I, I, was, I almost became nauseous. To not care about a soul, and I'm not saying Bishop Barron doesn't care about a soul, but I don't understand how he could be a bishop of the church or a priest and, and not know Catholic theology, not know Scripture. Yet in his article from 2020, Cardinal Pell reflects on the consequences of the inclusivist movement within the church. Inclusive, everyone will be saved. As he notes, Cardinal Pell, until the 20th century, it was assumed by the vast majority of Catholic saints and theologians that most would not be saved. They believed that if one were not a baptized practicing Catholic, one would almost definitely not be one day united to God in heaven. Yes, theologians would acknowledge the loophole of baptism of desire, but until the middle of the 20th century, that was assumed to be a very rare occurrence. During those centuries of the exclusivist view of salvation, the church was driven to missionary work. She tirelessly evangelized the known world from the first century to the middle of the 20th. Further, Catholics were more diligent about receiving the sacrament of confession regularly for fear that they would be one of the, one of the ones excluded on the final day. Yet when the inclusivist viewpoint became predominant in the 1960s and was essentially endorsed by Vatican II, missionary work crashed and participation in the sacrament of confession dramatically dropped, disappearing into the mists of history. Cardinal Pell's question is a fair one. Aren't all these things connected? Pondering its consequences, he came eventually to question the dominant, inclusivist viewpoint in the church. Beloved, to not evangelize is to not only be selfish, but to care less about the souls of everyone, which would not even mark one as a true Catholic. You cannot be a recipient of the grace of God, a true Catholic, not in form, but truly in heart, and ignore the world on its way to hell. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. We have what the whole world needs. We cannot keep it to ourselves. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. We'll be back after the break uh, with more of this article, and we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails after the second break. Call in toll-free with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483. 
beloved, this is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are right in the middle of an article by Eric Sammons, Excuse me, the editor of Crisis Magazine. Um, I get an online subscription. It's, it's, I recommend it highly. And he's written, um, Dare We, let me just see the title here, Dare We Fear That Most Men Be Damned. Up till now, we keep thinking most men will be saved. That's erroneous. Our Lord said that the, the, the way to... Uh, eternal life, the path, the road is narrow. The way to eternal death is wide, and many are those on it. And I've said before that I can picture both roads having the sign, this way to heaven. And the wide road is packed, and the narrow road is not packed. Um, But the wide road leads to hell. There is a hell. Okay, let me see where we left off. Here we go. Eric Salmon says, It's important to note that the exclusivist, the inclusivist, that is, it's exclusive, those who will go to heaven, excludes those going to hell. He says the exclusivist versus inclusivist divide, meaning inclusivist, we're all going to heaven, 
is not exactly a theological debate as much as an attitude debate, although one's attitude can impact his theology. For example, two men, Thomas and Robert, would both believe what the church teaches about salvation, that there are three baptisms, baptism of water, of blood, and of desire, three baptisms that can lead to salvation, but they could have completely different attitudes about the practical application of the teaching. Thomas could acknowledge that baptism of desire is possible, but assume that anyone who is not a practicing baptized Catholic is serious, even likely, in serious, even likely danger of damnation. Robert, on the other hand, could also recognize baptism of desire, but assume that most, if not all, unbaptized people fall into this category, and so most people will be saved in the end. Our first assumption might be to think that we would rather hang out at a party with Robert than with Thomas, but that's because we picture those who believe hell might be densely populated as dour, miserable, and miserable to be around. Yet consider a saint like Isaac Jokes. He believed that many would likely go to hell, but he was also filled with joy considering just about every saint before the 20th century operated under this assumption, we might want to rethink our assumptions about this viewpoint. Further, don't you think Thomas and Robert would act differently, not only about the salvation of others, but also about their own salvation? Excuse me. Their concept of a loving God is likely quite different and this would have significant implications of how they lived, which, for example, would likely take sin more seriously and thus attend confession more frequently, which would be more likely to lead his loved ones into the church. Thus, two men with technically the same theology would live their Catholic faith in radically different ways. And since how we live impacts what we believe, it would not be surprising to find years later that Robert is no longer practicing his faith at all. Why go to the trouble if he's going to heaven either way? So does this mean that Catholics need to assume every non-Catholic and non-practicing Catholic is in serious danger of hell? Dare we fear that most men be damned? Well, yes, And Eric Salmon says, before I elaborate, let me just acknowledge how discordant this sounds to our modern ears. I myself, Eric says, have always been an inclusivist at heart, even though I think being an exclusivist is the correct Catholic attitude. My natural inclination is to assume a heavenly destination for others, believing that they cannot be so bad that God would send them to hell for all eternity. Yet I keep coming back to the fact that this attitude is in the extreme minority when it comes to Catholics over the centuries. In the democracy of the dead, it loses in a landslide. 
we have almost 1,960 years of the vast majority of Catholics, including the greatest and smartest and holiest saints and theologians, assuming only few will be saved, versus 60 years, the most recent 60 years, of mostly ill-formed Catholics believing the opposite. If I am honest with myself, Eric says, I have to acknowledge that my instinctive presuppositions are likely formed far more by modern culture than by the Catholic faith. Thus, I would argue that Catholics should return to assuming the damnation of non-Catholics and non-practicing Catholics. Yes, it's possible for God to save them, but he gave no indication of how many such people would be saved. And he gave every indication that he wanted us to convert everyone to Catholicism, which is true Christianity, my, my addendum here. <clears throat> so our duty is not to speculate on the salvation of those outside the visible bounds of the church, but instead to assume we must do all we can to bring them into those visible boundaries while here on earth. Again, some might argue that such a negative attitude could lead a person to become condemnatory and harsh toward others. <clears throat> but I see it, Eric says, in the opposite fashion, and so do I personally. Remember, he says, all the saints who had this attitude over the centuries and were filled with joy and love for their neighbors. If you know someone is trapped in a burning building, do you condemn him for being there? Or do you do all you can to rescue him? If you have even a drop of compassion, you focus on getting him out of his dangerous situation rather than concern yourself with how he got there in the first place. And conversely, if you erroneously think he is somehow or fire, somehow fireproof, you will do almost nothing to bring him out of the burning building, thus consigning him to a horrible fate. <clears throat> As Catholics, we must trust in the justice and mercy of God when it comes to judgment. God will not make any mistakes when it comes to our eternal destination. Everyone in heaven will deserve to be there, again, by the grace of God, because they have lived up to the grace of God and obeyed God's commandments. And everyone in hell will also deserve to be there. Apart from the grace of God, beloved, we all deserve this. Whether the proportion of the former is greater or lesser than the proportion of the latter is not up to us. But what is up to us is to do all we can to help our loved ones one day enter into the heavenly joys of union with God. Our Lord has made it clear that Catholicism is the path one should follow to make that happen. And we would do well to not only follow it ourselves, but urge others to do so as well. <clears throat> Apparently, um, Eric Sammons has written a book. Uh, he says, I dive deeply into the history of Catholic theology and attitudes regarding salvation in my book, Deadly Indifference. That's an appropriate title, Deadly indifference. And if we are indifferent, we are dead. 
whoever is indifferent, we are dead, beloved. Um, you know, um, one cannot assume that the grace, that's the end of Eric's article, one cannot assume that the grace they've been given has been given to others. Faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. Um, Jesus said, no one comes to me except the Father draw him. We cannot judge or assume or know whom the Father draws and whom he does not, who responds to God's grace and who does not. All of, we cannot know all these things. What we do know is that every single one of us is commissioned has a vocation to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every creature. And coming from my background, beloved, most of you know I grew up in a, in a Jewish home. I became an evangelical Protestant in my 30s and spent the next 18 years trying to save Catholics, which I was taught was a false religious man-made system. And of course, look at me now, I became one. Uh, to dig deep into history, said um, John Henry Cardinal Newman, to dig deep into history is to cease to be Protestant. But for me, beloved, I went from having no reason to live, not knowing why man, since I'm 10, I could never figure out what our existence was for. To grow up, to fall in love, to get married, to have a family, this is all wonderful. But then what? What's it for? And I, I lived with a sense of meaninglessness and purposelessness my whole life. And when God showered his grace on me and affirmed that he indeed existed, that he indeed loves us, that he indeed, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who no man could look upon and live, actually took flesh from the Virgin Mary and became man for us and grew up among us and died on the cross as the perfect offering, the only offering God will ever accept, uh, fulfilled all the Old Testament sacrificial system, and is our Savior, not the Savior of the Jews only, but the Savior of the entire world. And there's no other name, as the Jewish Apostle Peter said in the book of Acts, there's no other name under heaven by which we must, not can, but must be saved. And it can is correct too, but we must. There's no other way to God. Whether you're Jewish or Muslim or atheist or Protestant or Catholic, there's no other way to God. But through his son and the church he established. If we keep that to ourselves, we cannot even call ourselves Catholic. We cannot. We cannot. We cannot call ourselves God's people. Our Lord came from heaven, died for us to establish his church and rose from the dead to give life to all who will call upon him. And if we keep it to ourselves and we protect ourselves and we don't reach out to our neighbors who are perishing or who might be perishing, we don't know that because we've not reached out to them, then we cannot call ourselves Christians. Something's very, very wrong. We don't have an idea that... We have been graced with what we don't deserve. There's none of us that, does, that do not deserve hell. I deserve hell. I put him on the cross. Our sins killed our Savior. And it's by his grace we are saved. We must tell the world, beloved. We'll be right back 
take your calls, your texts, your emails. Uh, call in with anything on your heart, dear ones. Be right back. I was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with a spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 24th. Today we celebrate St. Francis de Sales. A father can wish his son might follow in his footsteps, but wishing isn't always enough. Francis de Sales was, in the eyes of his father, sure to be a lawyer and would take his elder's place as a senator from France. The young man studied law, but felt called to the priesthood. Francis, ordained in 1593, demonstrated special talents in preaching and serving the poor and sick. In the Diocese of Geneva, he was able to reconvert many of the Catholics there who had lapsed into Calvinism. He achieved great success through preaching and distributing small pamphlets he wrote to explain true Catholic doctrine. At 35, he became Bishop of Geneva. For his writings, Francis de Sales has been named patron of the Catholic Press. His works, filled with his gentle spirit, are addressed to lay people. He's also remembered for his collaboration with another saint, Jane Francis de Chantal, in founding the Sisters of Visitation. Francis de Sales once maintained he had a quick temper, but few saw evidence of it. His perennial meekness and sunny disposition have won for him the title Gentleman Saint. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam, and I am live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. Our phone lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call in with whatever is on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. And just, again, you, you're always welcome to call in or email anonymously if that, if that is a better situation for you. Uh, I have a note from my dear brother James that Jim Havens of the Station of the Cross of the Simple Truth uh, did a program with Eric Sammons on July 8th of 2021 about his book that I mentioned, Deadly Indifference. And if you'd like to read the book or get more information about the book uh, from that interview, go to thestationofthecross.com, The Simple Truth Program, and uh, you can look up the date, July 8th, 2021, on um, Eric Salmon's book, Deadly Indifference. We have a call on the line from Cammie in New Jersey. Hi, Cammie. Mother? Yes. Hi, I love you. 
<laughs> well, then I love you, too. How nice. Thank you, Cammie. God bless you. Mother, I have... I'll make this short. I mean, I could talk to you for days, Mother. I have been um, uh, following you for over eight years when you were back at Immaculate Radio in California. Yes, long time. Yes, and I actually called you, Mother, back then because at the time, I wasn't a full-time caregiver for my mother. And I was working full-time at Verizon. I'm sure you don't remember, but you gave me amazing advice, Mother. Thanks, you told to me to go to confession. Yes, mm-hmm. you told me to go to confession, Mother, and you told me to lean on Mother Mary and mm-hmm. that she would guide me. And guess what? You went to confession she and she guided you. She did. She okay. Did. <laughs> I took care of my sweet mama for 10 years, and she actually, um, I might cry, but she actually passed away um, pretty much in my arms. We went from oh, home yep. caregiving to hospital. This, to praying rosaries together and chaplets and how beautiful oh, i miss her so much mother of course of course but she can pray for you now i hope you're asking her to pray for you oh i am absolutely good. she and my good. father absolutely yeah good so good. my question is mother i i am discerning i don't know what i really need to do with my life right now because mm-hmm. i'm semi-retired mm-hmm. and um i'm 50 Mm-hmm. And I feel like my whole life is in front of me, but I know that there's, you know, there's very precious time and I don't yeah. want to waste it. So my question to you is, um, oh, I love your conversion story, by the way, and I miss your funny waitress stories. <laughs> oh, you, wow. That's a while back. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So my question to you, Mother, is, okay, what is the best way to evangelize and share my love and passion for Jesus without being deemed as somebody who, you know, is speaking hate and trying to convert everybody. And, you know, it used to be I would share my story and it would be well received. And now sometimes I get that judgy kind of look. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. You know, I want to be a joyful Christian. Yes. Um, The best definition, I've, I've said this a while back, of evangelism I've ever heard is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. I love that. And as long as, and of course, in the Catholic Church, where to get the true bread of life. Um, as long as you keep the, um, the truth in your heart that we have nothing that we haven't received, we cannot expect someone else to have what we have. But if you meet, if you were a true beggar, which we are before God, um, and you saw other beggars on the street, you wouldn't judge them. How come you didn't go around the corner and get bread? You wouldn't judge them. You would say, I know where you can get bread. And that'll always keep your attitude one of a beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Love that. I haven't heard you say that. I love that. Good. Yeah, that's very, very, very important. Um, people need to see Christ in us. We can't bring them to Christ. We need to bring Christ to them and let God do the rest of the work. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Mother. You're welcome, Canary. And and keep discerning what God wishes. There's a book by, uh, we just heard the um, 
the saint of the day on St. Francis de Sales. He's my favorite saint in the world, and he's one of our patrons. Um, He has a book on finding God's will. Maybe that'll help you in your discernment process. Oh, I'm I'm reading um, Father Philippe right now on peace. That's fine. That's very good. He's very good. I also suggest um, St. Francis Sales Finding God's Will and um, I think Alphonse Liguori on How to Know God's Will. Oh, wonderful. Good, Cammie. Wonderful. All right. God bless you, dear Thank you. God bless you. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you. We have Barbara on the line from Chicago. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Mother Miriam. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thanks for calling, sweetheart. Um, My question today, Mother, um, in regards to evangelizing uh, other other people into the Catholic faith, um, and and in regards to that, um, I know you also say Catholics should always be um, noticed in the world. Um, we should be separate of, so people know that we're Catholic. In the, well, um, they, they may don't. not know that we're Catholic, but we need to be, as Jesus says, in the world and not of it. If we look and act and speak like the world, there's no difference. If we are truly Catholic in every way, it doesn't mean they'll know we're Catholic, but we'll stand out and they'll uh, listen to our message more seriously. Okay. Um, and, and in regards to that, my question is, Mother, um, I'm wondering if, if anybody ever evangelizes to the Amish people of because they, they really stand out from society. You see, there you go. That's a wonderful example. They don't care what society thinks of them. Uh, they have their right. own beliefs and understanding of philosophy. Of course, people reach out to the Amish. And in fact, um, uh, I knew a group of Amish upstate New York, and they were drawn into the Catholic Church because of Catholics who were exceptional and dressed modestly and truly lived their faith. So we reach out to the Amish the way we do to everyone else. Again, as I said um, uh, just a moment ago to Cammie, we are one beggar telling another where to get bread. And we need to go to them respecting who they are. And uh, I think it would be John Paul II who said that true ecumenism is uh, understanding the other person's faith and belief in order to get the truth of what they believe, because there's truth in all things, and then bring them all the way to Christ. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mother. Thank you, Barbara, sweetheart. Gail from Massachusetts. Hello, Gail. Good morning, Mother. Good morning, and my question also is also in line with the, your the, the um, your reading today. I have family that are indifferent to their faith. Mm. We're all Catholics, but even my children are indifferent, and I don't know how to get them to change. I've tried for years, and they just don't want to hear it. And how, what would your message be for people that just have family that don't want to listen to you? Um. Is your husband Catholic, Gail? Only in name, only in name. Okay. Were you a fervent Catholic when you married, or did you were you converted along the way? Pardon? And I re, I, re, I was fallen away at that point, but okay, I was so young, that, and, I, and that, I came back to my right. faith. Okay, well, um, why your children don't want to listen, of course, I cannot, cannot tell you that. Um, but... They were 
they began in a house that was unbelieving and unpracticing. And the fact that God has brought you back to the faith is huge because he's made you his missionary to your family. And to tell them or force them to go to church or live the faith will turn them from it. But if they watch your life of love, um, and, you know, there's an example of a young lady who I met when I was house parent to wayward teenagers placed as wards of the court in and out of juvenile hall. And one young lady, um, 18 years old, was radically converted to Christ. Her family were, um, they were abusers and in, in and out of jail and just crazy things. But she was changed. And she went back home after a time, and she didn't preach to anybody. But her mom one day said to her, how is it that you've, I I don't know what you have, but I want what you have. And so the daughter was able to tell her mom and lead her mom to Christ. And eventually, one by one, the whole family changed. It is by being love. You know, St. Therese of Lisieux said she will be love in the heart of the church. And any one member of the family that God chooses to convert to him needs to be love in the heart of the family. You need to also speak the truth, but it needs to be love. It's the only way to reach out to family members is to love them so that they know that you're more concerned about them and their life and their interests, that they're not just a soul that you want to save. I see. Okay, it will be hard, but I, I, I'll try. That's one of my problems. I tend to push too hard. and You can't push at all. You cannot push at all. Think about the life of Christ, Gail. Did he push anybody? He didn't no. even lead anyone. He, they followed him. Come follow me. He didn't push. And you know, uh, God calls us sheep. Sheep are not herded from behind. Cattle are, but not sheep. You cannot be behind sheep. You cannot push them. They know the shepherd's voice, whom they trust, and they follow him. And that's the only way anyone will ever be converted. If you live the life of Christ in holiness and love so wonderfully that they're convinced that you love them regardless of their faith, and they see your life, and they'll begin to follow you. Thank you so much, Mother. I appreciate your words. Thanks, Gail. God bless you. Um, we have Sharon on the line from Florida. Hi, Sharon. Oh, okay. Uh, Sharon, if you, um, uh, I understand your call dropped. If you, if you wish to call back, give us, a, give us a call back. God bless you. We're going to take an email from Nathan. Uh, let's see now. Um, okay, Nathan writes, Dear Mother Miriam, <clears throat> I'm writing to you on behalf of a friend. She, as a non-Catholic, married a Catholic man outside the church. Since then, he became abusive and divorced her. She is now in the process of becoming Catholic, blessed be God, but was wondering if she could marry within the church since her first so-called marriage was not Catholic or if she would have to try to get formally annulled to be eligible for marriage within the church. Thank you, Nathan. Nathan, she would need to go to 
um, a priest to submit her case to the marriage tribunal of her diocese who can really understand the cat the man outside the church um, it may have been baptized um, she could have been baptized. We, the, the tribunal would understand that, but she must not marry within the church until she either gets an annulment or a degree of nullity on paper that says her first marriage never took place in the eyes of God. There's the music for our break, dear ones. We'll be right back after the break and uh, have more time for your calls if you wish to call in. Um, Toll-free 1-877-511-5483. It'll be our last segment. We'll have at least 10 minutes um, and um, plenty of time to take your call. So God bless you, and we'll speak with you in a moment. We proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I grew up Catholic Church, haven't been in the Catholic Church for decades, but I'm in the process of working my way back for the simple reason that I needed a place to listen to pro-life, pro-family messages, Catholic radio is it. It's a place to hear that message without all the political bias and all that that's going on on News Talk Radio. It changed my life. It's the only station I turn on. Catholic station is an answer to prayer. It, it couldn't be more fulfilling. It's helped me learn more about the faith, and it's helped me to deepen my faith as a result of that. It's on continuously in my house, day and night. You can't imagine how much I receive from that channel. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern to reconnect with Terry Schilling of the American Principles Project. I'm going to ask him, can America follow the science? When it comes to the transgender issue, Terry says no. Is he right? Find out on The Catholic Current on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, my beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live, and we are live today, blessed be God. About a 10 minutes more, and again, our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Uh, toll free, one 5483 or email at mother at We have an email from Toussaint who writes, Hi, Mother, I'm from Vietnam, and I attend the Novus Ordo Mass. I attended the Novus Ordo Mass for 24 years of my life. After seeing how the Mass has been affected with liturgical abuse recently in my parish, I decided to attend the Latin Mass. I found only one available in my country, and it is celebrated by... FSSP. Now I'm I'm gathering, uh, Toussaint, that you're still in Vietnam. If there's only one Latin Mass in your country, he writes. However, when I told my mom about my decision and explained to her about liturgical abuse and crisis in the church, she got angry, asked me if I was crazy, and told me that there's nothing we can do to stand against the bad things because we have to obey the clergy who are the shepherds no matter what happens. That's utterly false. That's utterly false. A child obeys his or her parents as long as the parents do not uh, ask that child to do something sinful. Um, We must stand against bad things. We must stand against bad things. We do not need to obey clergy uh, no matter what happens. We obey clergy when they obey the church, just as the Apostle Paul says in Scripture, follow me as I follow Christ. And Toussaint says, I'm also in a financial woe, which makes it impossible to travel without carrying money in my pocket because FSSP is very far from my home and I live in a poor family of farmers. I really wanted to attend the Latin Mass. What should I do now? Thanks, Mother, for reading this. If you can get a hold of a book, Toussaint, called True Obedience by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. It's a small little book, um, and it's called True Obedience, widely available. That'll help you know, and your mom, what true obedience is, and what to obey, and what indeed to disobey. That book is very good. So that's number one. You don't say how old you are. Um, if you're 18, uh, you, you, I mean, you're free to do what you wish if you're an adult. Um, and so um, I, I don't know. Um, you say the FS, uh, you live in a poor family of farmers. I, I, don't, I don't know what your need is financially to travel. Um, I don't know if you need to, you know, in the past, people used to walk miles and miles. I went to Russia some years ago, Far East Russia, after the wall in Berlin was uh, brought down, and elderly people walked 15 miles up hills to church. So I I don't know what your situation is. Um, if If you're old enough, you simply should go to the Latin Mass. Um, and again, get the book on true obedience, um, uh, so that your mom can, uh, have a greater understanding of the freedom we have and the mandate we have 
to live the truth and not to be a part of what is false and um, and abuseful and, and full of abuse. Um, we have an email from Courtney. Courtney writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. First, let me say, may God abundantly bless you. Thank you, uh, Courtney, very much. She says, I'm a revert back to Catholicism and a millennial. Part of my story is that due to the corruption and scandal of the church for a good chunk of my childhood, my parents strayed from the church in confusion as to how to respond to those events when I was a child. By the grace of God, they eventually understood that the one true faith is not itself compromised by the evil that occurs by men, excellent, but by the sanctity of the institute of the Eucharist in Christ himself, having established the church. It is the church. It's not compromised by the institution, but it is the church, and no one can destroy it. They encouraged me to come back in high school good with them, and I did after having been Protestant, trying to find my own way to Jesus. Tensions and attacks plagued our family in early college, and I found myself without direction spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. My parents' marriage was on the brink of collapse, and truly I was the glue holding them together, and dysfunctionally I became like a surrogate spouse, surrogate spouse, to my father and surrogate mother to my own mother emotionally. It's complicated. It sounds that way and it doesn't sound good at all. My mother was in the midst of a life crisis, confused even about her sexuality. Oh my goodness. Her commitment to my father, battling serious alcoholism and hanging regularly with high school friends turned gay divorcees. This is good. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. One such event led her, led to her arrest, and I found myself alone and helpless, responsible for her and the rest of my family. At this time, it was my belief at this time that God gave me a soul who was kind and loving to help me through this lonely and burdensome time in my life. That soul um, was my future husband. <clears throat> Courtney says, at the time I knew I loved God and I knew I desired a faithful spouse, but I also knew this man was the only one showing me any kind of real love. Tensions and abuse grew in my home life. Finally, after becoming severely depressed and physically ill, I took my boyfriend's offer to move away six hours and live with him and his parents. For this sin, I have confessed But I did not know any other way at the time, and I know in my heart I was a girl left abandoned by a parents, not a wife yet or a mother, and the plate I was handed was too much for anyone to bear alone. So far, Courtney, I don't see sin. If you simply went to your boyfriend's parents' home and they offered you refuge and a home, unless you were intimate with him, uh, there's, I don't see any sin yet. She says, fast forward a few years, we did get married, not in the church. I saw my parents' Catholic marriage, so-called, and my father's refusal to bless our union as hypocritical. I knew the very intimate details of how a Catholic marriage looked inside, 
at least the only example I had to reference, and I felt my father was unwilling to see his own sins, yet pointed the finger at me for trying to escape that life. You're not wrong to escape that life, Courtney. Again, you haven't said whether or not you were intimate prior to your marriage. She says, we did have a Protestant pastor preside at our wedding, and I tried to keep God close, involved and invited in our union. I was made to believe by my husband prior to marriage that he had faith. That's a difficult statement. If you truly have faith, you can sense if there's a like spirit and soul in someone. She says, as we started to have children, I found out this was not the case. Um, I started dabbling more and more into new ageism to make sense of the world and life. And this led to what I know now as a spiritual oppression. Okay. Um, This is quite a long email, uh, Courtney. And there's the end of our program. We'll pick up the rest of your email tomorrow. And... um, And anyone else who wishes to call in will speak with you tomorrow. Live your faith, beloved, but do not keep it to yourself. If you do, you need to go to confession. Don't keep it to yourself. God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.